Welcome to The Last Resort, the last place you'd look for legitimate sports opinions. I am your host, Spencer Harris, and I am joined, as always, by my main man, Joey Michaels. Spencer told me to say what up, so I'm going to say what up. And tonight, we are graced with the presence of our often absent producer and editor of the pod, Johnny Crusader. John, welcome back, man. Happy to be here. Uh, yeah, extended absence, but uh, yeah, glad to be back. I just got to put this out there. We had a solid episode last week. Our 10 loyal listeners really loved it. Joe and I killed it. So don't come in here and fuck up our momentum. Capiche? Watch your mouth. It's a family show. Capiche? Yeah, 67 views on SoundCloud. Not too bad. No shit, really? Yeah, 65 more than I thought we were going to get. <laughs> Us counting is one. <laughs> okay, good. Well, today is Monday, August 5th. And Joe, the two best teams in baseball reside in New York City. We'll get into the Mets in a little bit, but how excited are you for the New York Metropolitans? Well, it's nice to turn on a baseball game for a team you like, and they actually play baseball, and they don't just shit the bed like they normally do. So it's been a pleasant last week of Mets baseball, which has been nice to not ruin my entire week for once. That's good to hear. I'm glad you had fun. I'm glad you're worried, I'm worried about this. On the docket today, the Red Sox get swept by the Yankees in the most recent rendition of the Boston Massacre, and we discuss if the city of Boston is now dead. The Mets World Series watch is back on, and Carmelo Anthony has now invited everyone to his pity party. Segments include Cool Guy or Try Hard, Hard Knocks Preview, People Don't Forget, and we list our top five comeback stories in sports. This podcast is brought to you by Cornerstone Capital. If you're looking for a mortgage in New Jersey, look no farther than Cornerstone Capital. How do I know they're the best in the business? Because my father owns the company. Cornerstone Capital, get a mortgage today. They are the cornerstone of the mortgage and sales of houses industry. And there are multiple Cornerstone Capitals, so when you Google it, just Google Cornerstone Capital River Edge. New Is Jersey, that... not, not River Edge, Connecticut. Right, that'll differentiate them from the other 18 Cornerstone Capitals in New Jersey. How did they get that name without like having some copyright issues? Moving on, um, the Yanks absolutely obliterate the Red Sox in four straight games, the exact opposite of the series last week, except the Red Sox weren't even able to get one win in there. John, you were at the game last night. Tell me what you saw that allows you to believe the Yankees will beat the Astros in the playoffs and win the World Series this year. Ooh, lot to digest there. Yeah, yesterday was a great night. It's always fun watching the demise of the uh, Red Sox, especially this 2019 version. Um, what excited me is the prospect of them still having to pay uh, David Price and Chris Sale because those two guys are absolutely atrocious this past month. And from the Yankee side of things, I saw a lineup where a third of the guys started in AAA. Uh, you know, there's been a lot of injuries fighting through that, but it's just been great to see the resilience of this team. You got manager of the year in Aaron Boone, so there's a lot going right. Um, I think, you know, they're, they're really one utility player, utility infielder away from fielding two playoff caliber lineups. So when you have the best guys in there... And I know we'll talk about the trade deadline in a couple minutes. And to answer your question about the playoffs, I'm definitely nervous about the Astros. You know, their top three pitchers uh, pitch well in the playoffs, but the Yankees surprisingly have hit them pretty well, maybe outside of Verlander in the past couple meetups in the playoffs. I'm banking on Granke being a mental midget in the Bronx, and, you know, the Yankees starters in bullpen just able to piece together somehow at least you know four wins to get them through it um we'll see i'm excited cautiously optimistic joe you bet on the game yesterday even though the red sox were favored tell me about your confidence in the yankees last night well what happened was i was down about 350 going into the um around two o'clock yesterday afternoon i started betting the ponies you are so a degenerate gambler so i was, I was ripping up saratoga i was hitting exact the box after exact the box after exact the box I was on a real hot. I was on a real heater. I got back out of the hole. I had a lump sum of money that I was like, you know, we're gonna turn this into something here. So you know what I said? The Yankees are favor or underdogs on the money line, plus one nineteen at the time I placed the bet. It was a great value play. Red Sox were never in the game. It was seven nothing at one point. They scored some BS runs throughout the game. It was a great way to end my weekend after getting slaughtered in Atlantic City earlier in the week. Yeah, so I actually, and I don't know if I've done this this entire year, I watched the entire baseball game from the first inning to the last out in the ninth inning. Are you guys impressed? I am. 
I'm not. It was a long game. I mean, it was an hour rain delay, so sitting there. And first of all, it didn't even rain. I swear to God, I think the Yankees just do that so that they can get an extra hour worth of concession sales. All about the dollars and cents. Hopefully, they're able to use it. You know, one of these days. I also there was the doubleheader the day before. I think they were just dead. True. I think yeah. they bought themselves some rest. Yeah, I saw some funny tweets that people were asking. I wonder if David Price just shit himself, and that's why uh, he can't come out there and pitch. But um, he stinks. Yeah, no, he's so bad. It was a fun game to watch. I mean, two hours in though, you're only halfway through the game. It's it's rough being there. But yeah, it's pretty impressive. So. Plus, the Yankees and Red Sox love to play four-hour baseball games. Of course, they just love doing that, yeah. which is a lot of fun. I'm okay with it though, like watching the whole game because there were there was a fuckload of hits. So when everyone's hitting, whether it's the Sox or the Yankees, it's just entertaining to watch. I'd rather watch that than like a pitching duel sure. between Verlander and Severino in the playoffs. Sever who? Severino. He's coming back. Oh, oh, okay. I didn't know. I wasn't sure. I know. I'm telling you, he's coming back. Okay. So is um uh, the no, reliever. Patances. Right. Oh, Dellen, my good friend. <laughs> Listen, the Yanks are, are banged up right now. They get Hicks and Encarnacion both go to the IL this weekend. Ursula hits two balls off his leg. Torres has a problem with his core. I don't know what's going on with him. Um, but the Yankees are giving the, 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 def, the phrase, the next man up, a whole new definition. And their pitching wasn't awful this year. So, so John, how did Cashman doing nothing at the trade deadline actually help this team in the second half of the season? I think we just alluded to it a few minutes ago with Severino and Batances coming back. That's essentially trading for, you know, uh, debatably your your one, most likely your two. Well, he'll probably be the first pitcher out. But that's not the point. So him sitting on his hands, I think the Yankees are at a point, and Brian Cashman's at a point in his career where other GMs are so afraid of trading with him. Because he's shown in the past, you know, the the example that comes to mind is Aaron Hicks for John Ryan Murphy. John Ryan Murphy's bouncing around teams nowadays. I think other teams are afraid of getting fleeced by uh, the Death Star that is the New York Yankees. The other thing is, let's all reiterate what happened, that the Mets fucked up the entire trade deadline. True. The only pitcher that was the Yankees were willing to give up, because look what the Mets gave up for Stroman. There was two mediocre prospects. They were barely in the top 100. So... They didn't give up a lot, and Stroman was the only guy the Yankees were going to go after other than Wheeler and Syndergaard, which they would have had to give up a lot more with the Yankee tax being involved. So the Mets fucked up the whole trade deadline two weeks, a week, like three days before. So your option was overpay for Trevor Bauer or go after a Tanner Roark who was awful with Washington and then was like decent with the Reds and got shit. There wasn't a lot of options there, and they weren't going to pay for Granky. No, true. So there, it was pretty much once Stroman went to the Mets and the, the asking price on Syndergaard was through the roof, there was no trade for the Yankees to really make. Right. Yeah, and I think that's exactly the reason why him sitting on his hands will benefit the Yankees. Maybe not this year, um, you know, but years to come. There you heard it. Um, your future 2019 World Series champion, New York Yankees, Joe John. Thanks for the breakdown, guys. Fingers crossed. Finger is not crossed. <laughs> They're going to win the World Series, Joe, and you're going to bet on them every game through the playoffs. I'm not. Don't worry. I will not be. Don't tell me how I'm going to spend my money. I'll tell you how to spend your money. You watch your mouth. All right. So there had to be a loser in this series, and that loser was the Boston Red Sox. Um, this is really the end of, of a run for the city of Boston. I think they're dead. I think their run of great dynasties in all sports are over. Please, one of you guys, convince me that I'm wrong. Well, just, why don't you relax? They just signed the best quarterback in football to a three-year extension. Terrible so, father. Terrible father? Why? Because he gives his kids experiences growing up and throws them off cliffs? What, That's kissing them on the lips? Leave him alone. He's a nice guy. You know what? He drinks a beer like a gentleman, unlike somebody we'll get to later. But Who, me? No, well, you're disgusting. <laughs> you know, how are they dead? They've won- We've lived through this madness for the last 15 years, 20 years, if you want to go through the entire Patriots dynasty. So who- they're not dead. The, ball, the Celtics will probably still be a three seed in the Eastern Conference this year. The Bruins are retooling, and they're going to be fine. The Patriots are going to be the AFC favorite uh, the AFC favorite coming into the season. What's dead? Are you done? I just want to know what's dead. All right, so since the Patriots won the Super Bowl in February. By the way, the Red Sox did win the World Series last okay, year. Okay, they, like, they won the, the World Patriots Series. Patriots did win the— They won the, the World Bru- Series in 2018. The, the, the world Bru- was a different place then. We're in the, 2019 now. And the Bruins were in the Stanley Cup final, so let's—but it's dead. All right. Since New England has won the Super Bowl, everything for the city of Boston has gone downhill. 
Let's break it down. Julian Edelman goes Hollywood. He makes a documentary about himself for Showtime. He's done. All right? He's finished. He makes this whole documentary. He doesn't want to play anymore. He's going to retire the next year or two. He's going to be the next Wes Walker out of football. Boom. Brady loses his best friend. He went Hollywood. It's bullshit. You got the Bruins losing in the Stanley Cup final to a team that's never won before. It's embarrassing when you lose a final to a team that has, have they won in like, what, 30, 40 years? They've never won. won They've never won a Stanley Cup. That's humiliating. It's going to take them years to get back from that. The Red Sox just got swept by the New York Yankees in the Bronx, a place where they supposedly excel. Oh, and not to mention the Celtics. Nobody wants to play for them anymore. Their star franchise player stayed for two years, and he said, you know what? I'm done with the city of Boston. And the Celtics said, that's cool. We have Al Horford. And Al Horford said, no, guys, I'm, I'm finished too. I'm going to play for uh, Philadelphia with Joel Embiid. So every single sport you can point to, the New England Revolution suck as well. So does whatever lacrosse teams in New England. They're finished. Put a fork in them. I'm, I actually feel sorry for the city of Boston You feel right sorry now. for the city I of Boston. I feel sorry for the city of Boston. They're not going to know what winning feels like for the next hundred years. You know what the Red Sox do? They win a World Series. They fall back down to earth. They retool the next year, and they're usually in contention, or they win the World Series the following year. The Bruins were in the Stanley Cup final, and they had no business actually being there. True. They had a healthy scratch on David Backus the rest of the fucking final. And you know what? I don't like. I hate the Boston Celtics, so I'm happy their misfortune is happening. Good, but the Patriots are still gonna be really good also this guy named josh gordon reapply for reinstatement and um if he's back they're gonna win the afc again so why don't you calm down have a sip of scotch and relax because you're out of control right now and you're making everybody uncomfortable with your boston rents i will have a sip of scotch and the scotch i'm drinking is johnny walker black uh this podcast is brought to you by johnny walker black Go out to your closest liquor store, buy a bottle. It's delicious. Even if you don't like scotch, just buy it. Especially when it's really hot outside. Go outside in the heat, pour yourself a nice glass, sit out there, get a nice sweat going. really sinks into your pores well. What are you going to do? You're going to drink a wine cooler? You're going to drink an IPA? What are you, you, a hippie? What are you, one of these fitness freaks? What are you, want a millennial? Yeah, come on. Drink some some scotch. scotch. I don't care if you don't like it. Just buy it. Johnny Walker Black. Suck one. The Mets are finally coming together as a team winners of how many straight, Joe? Well, they lost one game over the weekend, but they've won like seven out of eight. Seven out of eight. Six out of seven, one of the two. Brody Van Wagenen's plan is finally working. Callaway is managing great. Pitchers are pitching great. Everybody's hitting. Cano goes down with an injury, which actually is going to be a blessing in disguise. No, it's not. He's been hitting the shit out of the ball, so let's relax. It's not a blessing in disguise. They called up... Guillermo, and he can't hit the side of a barn. I don't. I don't root for steroid users ever. Oh, really? Ever. Never. Never, never in your lifetime. Joe, the World Series watch for the Mets is back on. How pumped are you for this baseball team down the stretch? They're entertaining, but let's also. I mean, since the All Star break, they've been. I think they're eleven and five, twelve and five since the All Star break. They're playing well. Their flaws are still happening. Their bullpen still stinks. The only difference is their starting pitchers can all go seven now because Syndergaard and Wheeler don't have trade rumors hanging over their head. So they're both pitching lights out in their last two starts. DeGrom is doing what DeGrom does. Steven Matz, of course, is the only one who lost the game over the weekend because he, you know, he's Steven Matz. He pitches well, and then he just it's a dumpster fire start coming up. And Stroman struggled early, but he got it back together in his first start in Pittsburgh. Hopefully he has a better homestand when he pitches. But listen, they're hitting... The, the pitching and the hitting is working simultaneously, which all season long, it's we hit, we can't pitch. We pitch, we can't hit. So they're on a little run. They're playing some really bad baseball teams. They're playing the Pirates, the Marlins. I think they got Kansas City. They played the White Sox. They're playing terrible baseball teams right now. But they need to take advantage of it. They need to do what they've been doing, sweep the fucking teams. And they need to get – listen, if they win – they have a doubleheader. They're winning right now. If they get over the hump – and get over 500, they're, they're only three games out. They're in it. So they let's see what they do against the Nats and the Phillies and the Braves down the stretch because they got to be consistent. They're very, very inconsistent. I will say their power ranking numbers are skyrocketing. They're, I think on Bleacher Report, they were jumped up to 12 already, and they're like four teams still ahead of them in the wild card. So the odds are 
Spe- Everybody's jumping on the bandwagon. Speaking of odds, Joe, New York Mets 80 to 1 to win the World Series. Is there value there? Yes or no? I think there's value there because if you look at the National League, if you take out the Dodgers, and I guess now they're with the Stroman acquisition, they're on par with the Nationals. They got one of the best rotations in baseball. The Dodgers, I'm still going to put ahead of them because they've been lights out all year. And the Nationals pitching staff is unbelievable. They're probably third in the National League in starting pitching. And in the American League, outside of Houston, I don't think there's a rotation better than theirs either. So if your starters can get you seven in the playoffs, you put yourself in a very good situation to win baseball games. The problem still is they have a closer who, even with a four-run cushion, they win by two. So they, I think that if they make the move, I think they got to switch Lugo into the closer role. They got to move Diaz back to a setup role or something. But listen, they're beating bad teams. Every New York Mets fan thinks we're World Series, but they're beating bad teams. Let's see what they do against good teams. I would have liked a more more confident stance on their World World Series. Well, I don't go on outlandish rants like you about Boston. I I speak facts here. People want to know facts. They don't want to hear fiction. I make my own facts. Thank you very much. It's also known as fiction. All right, you mentioned it. Give me the Mets formula to not only make the playoffs, but have success against a juggernaut like the Dodgers. Their starters need to go seven, and their bats need to hit. I just said this. Yeah, I'm sorry. I wasn't listening. I totally zoned out. There was something funny on my computer. (laughs) They need to have a four, the three to four run cushion where their bullpen comes in because their bullpen is atrocious. Right. And they made zero bullpen acquisitions at the trade deadline. Right, okay. So that is the formula to winning. So how much money are you going to put on them to win the World Series? I'm not putting any money on them to win the World You're Series. You're such a bad fan, dude. <laughs> no, I'm a realistic fan. I want $500 on the Mets to win the World Series. Do you want me to put five? If Don LaGreca calls into this show at any point before the regular season's over, I'll put $500 on the Mets to win the World Series. All right, that's enough baseball for now. Let's get into the National Football League. Hall of Fame induction ceremony took place in Canton over the weekend. Among the names to be inducted were Tony Gonzalez, former tight end, Ed Reed, Champ Bailey, Ty Law, Kevin Mawai were probably the, the five most notable names. Um, do you, I mean, listen, we watched all these guys, I want to say towards the, the latter half of their career, um, except Ed Reed, probably we watched. These guys were kind of like who we grew up watching right. football with. Right, this right, was right, our right. youth. Like we saw. Now we're starting to see guys go into the Hall of Fame that we watched regularly. So. Right. So I mean, what, out of these guys, you know, Gonzalez, Ed Reed, Champ Bailey, Ty Law, Kevin White. Do you guys have any great memories of any of these guys? Give me your best memory. I, the Ed Reed story that came out the other day about Peyton Manning is unbelievable. It's not a memory. It's more of about a story you read. But go on. The guy played false coverage, the wrong coverage for eleven straight weeks. To fool, so he, Peyton Manning thought he had something when they played them, I think, in week 12 or 13, whatever it was. And Peyton Manning came up. He saw the coverage. He was playing wrong. He bit he, – and he fucking – he had him. And he picked the ball off on Peyton. And Peyton Manning probably goes down as the smartest NFL quarterback we've ever seen. And Ed Reed deliberately did something wrong. The more fun fact is the fact that the Ravens were good with him playing the wrong coverage for three quarters of the season. <laughs> and then the Saturday picks up Peyton Manning. It was week 13, I believe it was. Week 12 or 13. And that's pretty astonishing. But, they, I mean, three defensive backs in a Hall of Fame class is rare. You don't see that a lot. But, you know, they, congrats. Congrats did, on the Hall of Fame. Did you watch the clip with Belichick and Brady talking about it? I did not, no. Oh. Well, here, here's how it kind of sounded. I'll be Belichick. You can be Brady. I didn't watch it, but okay. Well, that, uh, that Ed Reed's a monster. He, uh, he plays his press coverage, and uh, and uh, Tom, you got to be uh, ready for that for that coverage. I will be ready for the coverage. I'll watch the tape, and then after I go cliff diving and have my avocado ice cream, we'll be very prepared for this game. On to the next one. And kiss my son on the lips. <laughs> well, Tom, everybody's rooting for you, and uh, we're just excited to go play Baltimore next week. Yeah, we are really excited to play Baltimore next week. We're going to put in a great week of preparation, and we're going to get after it this week. All right, that was that was Tom Brady and Bill Belichick breaking down the film from the Ravens. Yeah, um, yeah. For for me, I feel like when Tony Gonzalez went to the Falcons, I really didn't think he was going to be elite. Still, for some odd reason, I just thought he was going to be mediocre. I thought he was almost better on the Falcons than he was on the Chiefs. Um, it seemed like he scored a touchdown in every single game he played with, played in. And obviously the tail end of his career was when Gronk came up and Gronk really kind of stole Gonzalez's thunder because he immediately became the best tight end in the league. 
But for that like four or five year period where, where Gonzalez played for the Falcons, I think it was a four or five years. Was it more than that? I don't think it was more than that. No. But it was about four or five years. He was a touchdown machine for Matt Ryan. He really was. Well, he really saved. He didn't save Matt Ryan's career, but he kind of put like elevated him greatly because Matt Ryan's Matt Ryan was like he was pretty good, but. He needed more. Roddy White was starting to get up there a little bit, and Tony Gonzalez was. I think that's when they had Michael Turner. They were that that team should have won a Super Bowl. They were really, really good. They ran in. I think they beat Seattle their first year in the playoffs, and then they fell short. But they, listen, they were really good. He was unbelievable, and he literally went out on the top. He looked like he went out on top of his game, pretty much. When Julio Jones was a rookie, and correct me if I'm wrong. The wideouts were Julio Jones and Roddy White. Tony Gonzalez was your tight end. Michael Turner was your running back. Matt Ryan was your quarterback. Yeah, they were they were unbelievable. They were they won four. I think they went fourteen and two. They were unbelievable that year, but they didn't get over the hump. Typical Falcons. So you know that's what happens when you waste talent. We had our first preseason football action on Thursday night with the Hall of Fame game and um, it definitely wasn't very fun to watch uh, Broncos versus Falcons I thought the highlight of the entire game was was Flacco warming up in the pregame and just throwing bombs um, did you guys watch and, and what did you think I did not watch because I didn't care and the truth the fact of the matter is that that's all Flacco does. He throws bombs in pregame, and then he throws checkdowns in the regular game. So that is actually what the Broncos season will look like. It'll look like Flacco in pregame throwing bombs and then throwing awful short passes like they did the rest of the game. John, did you watch? I saw the five-minute highlight clip. Uh, it was boring as hell. Wouldn't recommend. Drew Locke looked terrible. That makes three of us because I didn't watch two. I saw that Flacco pregame clip on Twitter. Drew Locke was supposed to be great. They were, he was a fir- rumored first-round pick. Obviously, the Giants made a better choice. Here's, here's how I kind of look at, at pre well, really the Hall of Fame game, but all preseason football. It's, it's, it's equivalent to, you know, buying weed, but knowing the weed you're going to smoke is awful. So you buy, like, I don't know, a $20 eighth or something, and someone's like, it's straight shit, and you're like, whatever, I'm just trying to get high. You smoke the entire eighth, and at the end of the day, you get, like, the slightest tingle. I mean, you're not high, but, like, you sort of feel it. That's what preseason football is. It's yeah, just a, a bad weed tingle. The Hall of Fame game is awful. It's like, uh, let's play a game a week into training camp. It's terrible. It's a terrible idea. I understand the ceremony aspect of it, but it's awful. And now you're playing five preseason games for two teams, which makes no, no sense whatsoever. They lost me last year because I was excited going into it last year to watch the game get to the night of. And then they had those turf issues where it was like the paint on the turf was like straight out of Home Depot and they couldn't play the game. So you know what? I'm fully out on the Hall of Fame. Excluding the Hall of Fame game, would you rather watch preseason football or a regular baseball season game that's not the team you root for? Did I bet on the team? No, you did not bet. Preseason football. Preseason football of my own team, like if the Bills were playing, absolutely. If it was another team, ooh, that's tough. It's a tough question. Depends on the pitchers. (laughs) I guess that's a good call. It might depend on the pitchers. All right. um, Hard Knocks starts tomorrow. The only preview I've seen has been Antonio Brown's disgusting swollen feet. What are you guys excited about for this hard knock season? To be the most entertaining hard knock season we've had in a long time. It's yeah. going to be unbelievable. We got uh, some real sharpshooters out there, and John Gruden's going to win an Oscar. He's going to be the first NFL football coach to win an Oscar for hard knocks. It's going to be unbelievable. Between that and Richie Incognito, this one's going to be electric. Circa, you know, what is it, 2007 New York Jets? Later than that, whatever it was. That was yeah, the last. They were the last really entertaining one, I think, and then the Bengals went on for like three out of seven years or something like that, and they were just the same team. Just keep over watching over. with hard knocks. Um, it's gonna be entertaining. Used to, I remember the Texans were awful. The Browns were pretty terrible. Um, who, I don't remember who it was before. They, those two were I just off the top of my mind were terrible hard knock teams, but they got some characters, and thank God the Giants aren't on it. I just have four words to describe this season of hard knocks: Spider Two, Y Banana. I can't wait to hear it because Derek Carr still doesn't know what Spider 2 Y Banana is. You want to hear my John Gruden impression? Yes. All right. Man, this Jake Locker, I'll tell you, he's got some arm. He's going to be a real pro bowler in this league. Yeah, Jake Locker retired very early because he got murdered when he played the NFL. Uh, I don't know if it was the same season, but here's another one. 
This Blaine Gabbert, man, he's got that that special factor. He's going to be real elite in this league. He also said Johnny Manziel should go number one overall, and it would be a major mistake if anyone didn't do that. My point is John Gruden's show where he would coach quarterbacks and then compliment them was the biggest load of shit in the world because every quarterback he interviewed outside of like four of them sucked. Well, if you look at his coaching tenure, the only good quarterback he ever coached was like Brett Favre briefly, and then every quarterback, and he was inherited Rich Gannon like at the end of his career. Every quarterback in Tampa was awful, and now he's got Derek Carr, who's going to prove that he's going to get cut after the season with a new quarterback class coming in. He sold me on EJ Manuel the night after the draft, or the week <laughs> after the draft. So. <laughs> Tells you everything you need to know. John Gruden usually disagrees with everything Mel Kiper and Todd McShay say. So it's like, Todd McShay and Mel Kiper are like, listen, do not draft Jake Locker. He's going to be very bad. He might have some spurts early, but he's going to be awful. John Gruden's like, man, I can build around that guy. He did win a Super Bowl with Brad Johnson. Also, like, this is one of the top three greatest defenses of all time. Yeah, I, I like to forget about that. I just like that to think Tony that... Tony Dungy built. I like to think that Brad Johnson won that Super Bowl on his own. Yeah, he came back to the Vikings and he brought them to the playoffs one year, so I was like, really happy about Brad. Like I said, I make my own facts. Yeah. Uh, here's a fact. Did you guys see that, that Keenan Allen perfect route and catch sequence in training camp? Yeah, I saw it. It was a great route and catch. It, that literally couldn't sum it up better. It's preseason... Fuck Keenan Allen, fantasy nightmare. He's Don't gonna, get me started. Let me guess. He'll get an injury like yeah. week ten. Week ten, like he's doing well for you all year. Week ten injury, he'll come in. He's like, oh, he's out three to six weeks. You see the way he went to the ground on that play though, on that catch. I was I like, oh, turf toe has to be. The guy's a dog. Oh. Oh. His his hairline is disgusting, right? He was like, he's always balding every season. He just doesn't want to shave it off. No, yeah. he's like got the, like the little confetti fuzz. Yeah. Yeah, it's like a lollipop and, like on the, the carpet or something. He's just the ch- listen. I have a fact here: the Chargers are not going to make the playoffs. That's a fact you heard wow. here first. Chargers are not going to make the playoffs. This Melvin Gordon saga is going to carry over. Keenan Allen's going to get hurt, and Philip Rivers is going to struggle. Great receiver, awful hair. Fair. He's great, but he's not healthy. He's good. He's good. He's a good receiver, just like Melvin Gordon's a good running back. It's like a poor man's AJ Green. Yeah, eh. yeah, sort of poor. <laughs> sort of poor. He's like a, middle class. He's a blue collar AJ Green. All right, we have a cool guy or try hard. Baker Mayfield was seen at the Indians game in the suite. He temporarily is sipping a beer. Once he realizes he's on the camera, someone immediately throws him a beer and he shotguns said beer. Um, I don't know. I, I, I saw it. I was like, all right, impressive, yes. But, you know, the, the, the phrase try hard came into my mind. So is he just a cool guy naturally or is he just trying a little bit too hard? I don't know if he's a cool guy or a tryhard, but I played college football at the Division II level. We didn't drink during training camp. But I guess NFL quarterbacks drink during training camp now. That's a thing because that doesn't exist. So I can see how motivated and dedicated to winning this quote-unquote Super Bowl the Browns are going to the one of the favorites to win this year. I, I see how dedicated he is to that. That's a good point. I didn't think about it from that perspective. If we just look at it just from a, a celebration perspective, smooth as hell, nope. clean. If he did this in June, yeah, cool. I'm in. Great move. Good. August camp started a week and a half ago. What else are you gonna do in Cleveland though? Go to camp. Watch <laughs> film. You're a second year quarterback. Was uh was he with his teammates? It was that his who? wife. Okay. Oh, I don't but know if teammates were there. Like if it was a teammate. Yeah. Well, listen. I don't think it was a teammate. He was like, he was with his wife. Maybe it was a teammate. If it's a teammate, it's actually worse. Why are you all drinking during training camp during the season? Like, this is training camp. This isn't OTAs. This isn't rookie mini camp. This is training camp where you're going to play a preseason game next week. What are you doing? I'll tell. I'll tell you who wasn't in the suite with him. Odell Beckham Jr. Yeah. All right. Good. I, I'm happy he wasn't in the suite because if Odell was there, he would have took all the blame for it. So you know what? Thank you, Odell. Maybe you and Jarvis are actually like got your head on straight, unlike your quarterback who doesn't know what he's doing or well, that. I was I was actually gonna I was I was thinking about it a, a different way. Um, Baker has these great sweet tickets to an Indians game. Why isn't he going with his top receivers? Why wasn't Jarvis or Odell in the suite with him watching the game? Because they were watching film, catching balls, relaxing, getting their bodies right doing that, or they were just not being an absolute idiot as the starting quarterback of the Cleveland Browns. And that that brings us um, to the best in the game at Baker Mayfield takes, Colin Coward. Uh, Here's some audio as to how Colin Coward perceived Baker Mayfield's beer shotgunning. Now, if I was Baker Mayfield, one in five, 
against winning teams with a rookie head coach who's never even been hired as a coordinator. If you take two games out of Baker last year against the atrocious Bengals where he had seven touchdowns and no picks, his numbers were really, really average. Even for a rookie quarterback, they were pretty average. But be that as it may, this morning, Cleveland and Baker feel like the NFL's best frat house. All right, I got to be honest with you guys. I fucking hate Colin Coward. I disagree with everything he says, but that's that's his brand. He wants me to hate him. Like that's so when I hate him, I feel like I'm doing him a favor. How do you guys feel about him? Like do you enjoy listening to him for any of his takes at all? I listen to him a lot. And I agree when he speaks he says for the NFL purpose. He says things that the fan doesn't want to hear that is the actual truth in a locker room. Nobody wants their quarterback shotgunning beers in training camp. You can say, oh, it's not a big deal, no one cares. Fine, that's your take. But in the grand scheme of things, if Tom Brady was shotgunning beers, and he wouldn't be doing it. He would never put himself in that situation because if you've ever been in a training camp, it's a lot of film study, a lot of vigorous activity and practice. and It's just it's not the scene. It's bad optics. Just why can't you be out of the media for five seconds? Why can't you just have normal expectations as a team? I mean, I, he just he's just amounting more pressure. If he goes out and shits the bed week one, this will be talked about. I guarantee you, this is going to be what's talked about. Oh, Baker wasn't studying film in week one. He was shotgunning beers at the Indians game. So that's how I feel about that. Colin Coward, listen, he says a lot of... He's overly hard on Westbrook. He's overly hard on certain guys. But this Baker Mayfield thing, I don't think he's wrong at all. Joe, I don't disagree with you that a, a quarterback shouldn't be shotgunning beers on you know, live television during training camp. I think that's a fair take to have. But that's not what Coward says. Coward makes a claim that Mayfield, quote, looks too good at chugging, and I don't want my franchise quarterback to be that good at chugging a beer, end quote. I don't think that was the exact quote. I kind of paraphrased. My point being... There are multiple videos with the greatest quarterback to ever play the fucking game, Tom Brady, and I hate saying that sentence, but it's true, chugging beers at a very fast pace. Okay, where Tom Brady was chugging a beer was out of a cup at the Kentucky Derby in a suit. Baker Mayfield was wearing an Indians jersey that was too tight and, ch- and literally shotgunned the beer by biting it open like a Neanderthal. You're not wrong, but Coward's point was Mayfield is a good beer chugger, therefore that doesn't equal franchise quarterback behavior. Now his behavior is his bad optics. His yeah. bad optics is a starting quarterback. It was an alpha move, though, the way he did that and pulled it off so smooth. I bet there's some guys in the locker room that are like, okay, this guy fucks. Maybe. Or maybe they're going to lose week one. I'll tell you this. Freddie Kitchens was impressed by the beer chug. So as long as your, quarter, as long as your coach gives oh, it the okay, he was. He was okay with it. He was. I, that's what he said to the media. Wasn't he going to say, no, that was a bad idea? With the team with that doesn't is in the media every single day of sure. training camp? They, they're more loud than the Raiders. They're louder than the Raiders. Do you realize the only team, he beat bad teams last year. They didn't accomplish anything. All right, they won seven games. They won six of those games against awful teams. So I, I don't want to hear that. Uh, you And now you have expectations. Why aren't you working on chemistry with Odell Beckham? Why aren't you watching film? Why don't you just stay? Why don't you take your teammates out to dinner? Why don't you go do something like that? Stop going to Indians games and being the center of fucking attention all the time. And that, that, that's, that's my major problem is he should have invited Odell and Jarvis. I want to see him and Odell and Jarvis out. That's what I want to see. Well, you look at two guys that, regardless of their problems, they're very productive. And then you look at a guy who's played, what, nine games in the right. NFL? And this is why Eli Manning, Benny Fowler, and Cody Lattimore are a better trio than Baker, Odell, and Jarvis. No. Okay. No. Well, Eli might actually. If Eli was at the Met game, shotgunning beer, I'd actually be encouraged by it. I'd be like, "This is a very good idea," um, because you need to loosen up a little bit. Joe, let's let's get into the NBA a little bit. Oh, um, fuck. Because as much as we want the NBA to go away. Keeps uh, coming back. Just keeps coming back. Just when you thought we were out, they, they pulled pull me, me back, back in. in. Oh, great movie. Great movie. Sopranos. No. No. <laughs> Silvio. Yeah, good impression. Cheer me up, babe. Yeah, cheer me up, babe. <laughs> Just when they thought I was out, they pulled me back in. Yeah, it's a spot on. Doesn't that sound like Pacino? <laughs> and scene. Um, Carmelo Anthony interviewed with Stephen A. Smith in first take last week. Who was week. in a sling, by the way. <laughs> Yeah, 
We're not going to get into that today. It was a wild interview. He talks about his departure from the Rockets, his not wanting to do a farewell tour yet, and his longing to compete and still play in the NBA this year. Um, Joe, are you buying Melo's pity party leading to a comeback, or should he focus on challenging Joe Johnson as the alpha in the big three? I don't think he should be doing either, but I watched the whole hour-long interview. He said some things that are right, because we've seen a lot of questionable things come out of Houston. Like, Houston, like, the whole Chris Paul Harden rift, and they just, they spin a lot of things. So, and you know what? They probably saw, they brought in Melo thinking, like, oh, wow, we have nobody else who can create their own shot outside of Harden. But, so maybe he'll come in. It was a bad fit. I think the D'Antoni thing was a bad fit the whole time. Do I think he should be in the league? Yeah. But... I also don't think that I, it's such a bad look for him, man. Like I, I don't know. I, I he was one of my favorite players. He was a Nick. I hate this look for him because he said he wasn't wrong in a lot of the stuff he said. But the problem is that he sounds like a little bitch. He's like crying on first take to get a job. Listen, this is what he wants. He doesn't want to win a championship. He doesn't want to play for the Warriors. He doesn't want to play for Houston. He, he wants to be on the Knicks, and he wants to shoot 20 shots a game on a shitty team. That's what he wants to do. He wants to be on the Knicks, wants to be on Miami, he wants to shoot, and cool. Let him shoot. Let him go join a team that stinks, that's like an eight seed in the Eastern Conference. Let him, listen, Joe Johnson did it the last three years of his career. He was just like, all right, we're going to let Joe run with the second unit and shoot 20 shots. Somehow Joe Johnson led the team in shots on like all those teams he came in off the bench. He was with Utah for a bit. He, let him go do that. That's what he wants. He wants to play basketball one more year on a mediocre team. Then he goes out in a decent light. Okay, so I think that the major problem here is being ignored by Carmelo Anthony fans, by Knicks fans, by the national media. And it's that there is something called the Knicks curse. So since Amari Stoudemire signed there, since Melo signed there or got traded there, every big franchise player to come out of the Knicks has left and been worse off than when they came in. You can go to Stoudemire, was never the same after the Knicks, he was finished. Mello, couldn't really find his role after the Knicks. Jeremy Lin, star for two don't weeks. Don't start with the Jeremy two Lin weeks. shit. Two no, weeks, he was done. No. He was done Jeremy after Lin. the Knicks. He didn't play in the playoffs. You know, he was 85% going into the Miami City. Jeremy Lin took the biggest city in the world by storm with his stellar play. And he, you know what he's doing? He's crying for a job. I'm not done. Chris stops Porzingis. He's gone. The he Latvian savior of oh, New York the, City the has savior. been traded and also allegedly made allegedly raped. raped a girl and then got jumped. Yeah, I, I want to say allegedly. That's a tough story. We don't really get into rape allegations here unless they're convicted and then we destroy them because we're an anti-rape podcast. We don't believe in rape. But I will say this. Don't talk about Christoph Porzingis on here with his BS brother half-ass agent making demands this, that, and the other. Blah, blah, blah. Shut up. Melo, listen, he chased money. He could have fucking he could have joined LeBron and Wade in Miami. He wanted more money in New York. And you know what? Let him just sign with the Knicks and shoot 30 shots a game and let him be happy. Admit, Leave to, him alone. admit to me there's a Knicks curse. It's not a Knicks curse. They just suck. Every franchise it's player. It's not a man. curse. Every Knicks are not cursed. Player. You can't be cursed if you have bad ownership. You're just bad. The the Cubs were cursed. They didn't win for ever. They the Knicks are not cursed. They're just stupid. Who is the best player on the Knicks in the last 15 years who's still in the NBA? That's a tough question. It, I don't know if the, it might be. Danilo Gallinari, maybe. It might be. Or Tyson Chandler. True. It's a good call. It might be. It, they Listen, you also look at all the mellow years. The teams were not good. They didn't have good players on the teams. They were like, Amon Shumpert played like 38 minutes a game on the New York Knicks. He's not in the league right now. So they, they didn't have good teams. J.R. Smith won sixth man of the year on the Knicks. Like, they, they never had good teams. The Knicks wanted to sell tickets and like promote their brand by signing Melo and Amari. But they didn't have good teams. They weren't good. All I'm saying is I understand why Kyrie and Kevin Durant, Kevin Durant did not sign with the Knicks. They don't want to be cursed for the rest of their careers. Okay, moving forward. That's not, Joe, not letting you end up Joe, that. moving forward. Oh. Joe Melo if Anthony. The Knicks, if the Knicks make the playoffs this year, I hope they play the Nets. I hope there's a godsend that because, you know, the Nets made all these big free agent acquisitions this year. Did they get a Christmas game? Uh, they did not. They did not. So no one cares. Okay? No for, for one now. Can. Wait till next year. Oh, we got to wait fair. till next year. I'm going to hear this the rest of the year. Wait till next year when Kyrie can't win 40 games. I don't sound like that. That's a bad impression of me. Well, you know what? That's what happens when you say Nick's curse and you yell at me. <coughs> I apologize. Truce? No. Okay. Not yet. Not yet. Fair. Um, all right. So 
if a team would sign Carmelo, where would he fit in? What kind of role would he have to have to take on? I just told you, a lower – the Miami Heat. Put him on the Miami Heat. Let him shoot on the second unit. Let him hang out with Jimmy Butler. They're probably friends. He's not going on a good team. He needs to be on a second unit where he can take all the shots. A team with no bench where everybody's like, oh, he can go on the Warriors and play in the second unit. No, he cannot. He needs to go on an Eastern Conference. You know where he fits? Like a Detroit. Like Detroit would be Detroit would be great. Mellow, Blake Griffin, Derrick Rose, like with the band back together. He's not going to a good team to play. It's going to be a team that's like a bottom, like a 6, 7, 8 seed in the Eastern Conference, whoever that ends up being. All right, moving on. Um, the old school NBA is officially dead and gone. Uh, Draymond Green posted a picture on Instagram recently. He's out to lunch with a few of his friends, and he writes, See, it's a couple of, another word for, for friends that I'm, I, I'm not going to say. Every generation that wasn't supposed to make it out but decode the matrix. Um, and in the in the picture is he Draymond Green, a bunch of LeBron James, and Draymond is sitting across from Tristan Thompson. Now these two have a history. They saw each other at one of LeBron's sex parties a few years ago, and Draymond did not want Tristan there, and they almost got in a fight. And I thought that they were beefing. All of a sudden, they're out to lunch together. Totally ruins my image of Draymond Green. I'm never going to root for him again. The old school NBA is dead. What is NBA beefs anymore, guys? There were no NBA beefs. Charles Barkley, Michael Jordan, Patrick Ewing, they were all best friends. Charles Oakley, they all hung out and they battled. So they they all hang out. There there was never any beefs. It's the same thing. It's just a different brand of basketball. No one, They were all friends. The only guy who didn't like anybody was Gary Payton. Gary Payton just hated everybody. Every, there was no real beefs. Jordan didn't. Jordan was gambling with Charles Oakley, Charles Barkley in Vegas every weekend, so they were all and they were battling in the in the in the NBA championships when he was with Phoenix. So there's no actual beefs. All these guys are friends, and you know what? They all everybody works out in Los Angeles in right. the off season, so they're all hanging out. They're all in the same social scene. It's right. all bullshit. And you said it best. Everybody's friends. You know. You know who I have to blame for that? Who? LeBron James. Why? Why don't you blame Michael Jordan? They're no, all no, 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 no. LeBron James made the NBA friendly and regular season competition. He's boys with everybody. There's no real fire in the NBA anymore, all right? Well, yeah, now there will be. There's not one team that we think is like, that's definitely going to win. The last four years, we said, oh, the Warriors will be there. Who are they playing in the East? And for a lot of the time, it was they're going to play the Cavs and Warriors. And even though the Cavs were not near them the last year they played, that's what it is. I'm just a sucker for a good NBA beef. I just want two guys to fucking hate each other. I can, I can honestly say the NBA regular season this year was awful. It was terrible this year, and next year it should be good. I did like that uh, the fight that the Rockets got into with the Lakers in the when, when, early. Yeah, when Brand, Brandon Ingram and no, it was it was Paul and Rondo, and then Ingram yeah. went bonkers and started throwing punches left and right. That was the best part of the season for me. Yeah, and now like two of those guys are not on the same team. Yeah, hey, you're right. So that's what happens when you fight. You leave. Um, all right, so let's step away from sports for a second uh, because we we are a, a cultured podcast. We talk about things other than sports. We're not just a bunch of meathead jocks. Um, I love how you thought you were like somewhat a meathead. Yeah, guy. there's all yeah. What, what do you mean? <laughs> That's a bad example of what you think you are. Oh no, no, I'm not. Uh, it's not what I think. You I think am. you're a meathead? No, 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 no. It might be the perception of how the the listeners perceive us as a bunch of meathead. So jobs. you think people perceive you, you as a meathead? That's what that's what you say. Possibly, yeah. So you are the meathead. Well, I wouldn't say more meathead, more jock. Oh, you're oh, a jock, oh, jock now okay. too. Yeah. So you're a jock meathead. Yeah. Have you seen my video highlight tape? Yeah, it's on our Instagram account actually. It's amazing. I hit almost every shot. Missed a few. You sprained your ankles playing in the driveway with me last week. We did beat Boz and Derek to 100 points in my driveway. We Admit did. that. We did. It was a very monumental game in game our friendship. Of the that was the time we became friends. I don't know what happened. Neither do I. All right. Um, Martin Scorsese is directing an upcoming movie. Uh, the Irishman starring Robert De Niro, Al Pacino as Jimmy Hoffa, and Joe Pesci. Uh, it's a movie about Jimmy Hoffa, his relationship with the Teamsters, and his mysterious disappearance. So do you guys know the... Um, I guess the the rumored story as to where Jimmy Hoff is buried. Yeah, under Giants Stadium. Oh yeah. I wonder if they get into that all here in the movie. I've heard rumors that the story they told they tell is completely false. Oh. So all right. Great. To, to to be fair, I've actually seen the nineteen ninety two movie Hoffa right. with Jack Nicholson. 
Horrible movie. Danny DeVito is his mobster friend. It doesn't make any sense. Um, but, you know, I thought Nicholson played a, a decent Jimmy Hoffa. I think this is going to allude a lot more to his relationship with the mob, his relationship with the Teamsters. Um, and this is the first time that Pacino is ever has ever been in a Scorsese movie. That's going to be great. I'm glad they waited until he was 80. Yeah, they could have done anything and people are going to watch. When you hear those names all acting together, it, it yeah. doesn't matter what I, story they're telling. I will say we have a family beach house in Ortley Beach, and one of um, one of my friends, he saw Joe Pesci in Lavalette, which wow. is the neighbor oh, wow. in town. We also saw John Calipari, and we yelled to him and said, hey. And he said, hey, guys. For those who don't know, uh, Joe and I are, are enthusiasts of mafia history. Um, my, my grandpa, God rest his soul, had ties to the mob. Yes, he was Jewish. He still had ties to the mob. Uh, I wrote an essay about him in college called The Jewish Gangster, not to brag. It was amazing. It got an A-. minus. Um, okay. Uh, are you excited for this movie? I don't know. It's I, on Netflix. So I don't know. Yeah, I, I'll watch it. I'm going to watch it. It's gonna be, yeah. It'll probably be decent. I don't think it's going to be a bad movie. I don't know if it's like correct or not, but like I think it's going to be entertaining. Or it's just going to look like three really old actors being really old actors. But what I thought was incredible was in the trailer, they digitize, they make them younger now with the CGI. It looks incredible. It's going to, hope it's not just the trailer that looks good. True. It, if the movie like looks like, oh my God, Joe Pesci got a facelift, it's yeah. going to look weird. Agreed. Let's rate it before we watch it. So what rating are you guys giving it? One being the worst, ten being the best. 6.9. Okay. Um, I'm going to go higher, I think, 8.1. 8.1. Wow, that's a pretty good rating. Not as high as um, yeah. the Hobbs and Shaw got on Rotten Tomatoes. All right, we're not going to talk about movies that I haven't seen. Um, I haven't seen Except this one. Um, I'm going <laughs> to give it a 7.7. I'm going to go in between. Ooh, that's a good score. I think it's going to be that's a good, a good movie, score. but I think it's going to have a little bit left to be desired. Yeah. Okay, um, 7.7 is my yeah. final score. Godfather 2. Sounds good. All right. So I have an article header of the week. So I was scrolling through Twitter, and I see this I see this article. FIBA suspended DJ Cooper, and he's some basketball player, after drug test showed he was pregnant. Um, I immediately clicked on the article, and obviously he used his girlfriend's piss to pass a drug test. Wait, he wasn't <laughs> pregnant. He was not pregnant. Call me shocked. That's wow. actually really funny, though. How stupid could you be? Yeah. Now he's suspended and having a kid. Did he know? Yeah. Did he know that she was pregnant, or is that how he found out? I have no idea. I want to know the details. But we kudos, need to find out. Kudos, kudos to Complex for coming up with that clickbait. They easily could have said, "DJ Cooper tests positive for pregnant girlfriend's pee." Or urine, no, or whatever. DJ Cooper tests positive. He's having a boy. He's having a boy, right? <laughs> DJ Cooper tests positive for being pregnant. Like it made me click on it. I needed to know what happened. <laughs> unbelievable, unbelievable heading of an article. So um, we will give you a piece of advice here: don't use your girlfriend's pee when trying to pass a drug test. Well, if she's not pregnant, I'm sure it's okay. I don't I know like, though. I still feel, I feel like, like estrogen yeah. levels would be a lot higher. I feel like it wouldn't work. Yeah, like come what on, if she has that's high the side tea. effects. Of if a, then you got bigger problems. <laughs> <laughs> I might teach you something, too. Oh, God. Okay. Um, we talked about Melo trying to make a comeback into the NBA. That got me thinking of, you know, some of the best comeback stories in sports history. So Joe and I, uh, we came up with a list um, of our top five favorite comeback stories in sports. So, Joe, why don't you start us off with your number five? My number five pick will be the Cleveland Indians from Major League. They were nowhere. They're facing an owner who really wanted to relocate this team. She was really abusive to the staff. They really just took away every opportunity for them to win. They found a young stallion in the bullpen and Ricky Wild Thing Vaughn to really shut down the ninth inning for the Indians, along with uh, Jake Taylor playing behind the plate, really navigating that team to victory. And you know what? Despite all of the odds, they came out on top and they won the pennant. Great uh, comeback. They were in dead last place for a very long time. Which team was this? Was this the Major League or Major League 2? Major League. Major League 2, they had a nice comeback, but they came in with expectations. Right. So right. I'm not going to put them on my list. All right, my number five similar. Uh, I went with Mr. 3000. Um, what was his name? <laughs> oh, uh, Stan Ross. Stan Ross. Stan the man Ross. Um, 
left the game, thought he had 3,000 hits. Turned out he only had 2,997. So he needed four hits. Um, well, three hits. He needed three hits, he to, needed get to, three hits to get to 3,000. Uh, he's on the bench for most of the season. He comes back. He gets, he gets two. two hits, two hits, and then he sacrifices uh, himself to get the, the final run for his team to make the playoffs. Yes, I will also say T-Rex Pettibaker is a spinning image of Mookie Betts. So, in case you were wondering, that's where Mookie Betts started in the movie Mr. 3000. Right, right. And Stan Ross's friend who owns the bar is a spinning image of me. Um, <laughs> who played that role? <laughs> that was um, Jackie, Jackie, Jackie April from The Sopranos yes, played that role. Was, Not sure of his real name. He's known as Jackie April. Jackie April, yes. God bless. R.I.P. R.I.P. Jackie April. He died of the stomach cancer. Yeah, and his kid was a dick. Yeah, Jackie Jr. Jackie Jr. was the worst. Yeah. Um, all right, Joe, give me your number four comeback of the year. My number four oh, comeback, of, comeback of, all of sports is Eric Berry. He was diagnosed with cancer in the middle of it, in the, coming into his prime, really, and he was able to overcome that. And then after he overcame cancer, he had a multitude of injuries, Achilles injuries and bad injuries, yet he came back and played at a very high level. So he, he came, he made his comeback, and now he's kind of looking for a second comeback, looking for a team still. I still think he's going to end up with the Dallas Cowboys, but he overcame cancer and was an all-pro and was a dominant force. All right, my number four, uh, none other than the fastest quarterback to ever do it, Michael Vick. Um, so Michael Vick, uh, he was arrested and put in prison for starting a dogfighting ring. Um it's, it's frowned upon in America to have dogs fight each other and bet on it. Um, I agree. I don't think it's right. He was arrested for it. Obviously, uh, you know, the judge agreed with me. Comes back, plays with the Eagles, and just takes the league by storm. Uh, as a Giants fan, he broke my heart on numerous occasions. Uh, they went to the playoffs. Never had any real success in the playoffs, but he was elite for about a three- to four-year stretch. Uh, Michael Vick is my number four comeback story of all time in sports. That's a good one. My number three pick is actually going to be Adrian Peterson. Um, the man still sets the record for the quickest ACL recovery ever and then came back to rush for almost breaking the rushing title. I think he came short by eight yards um, and single-handedly brought my Vikings to the playoffs where with a roster that had zero business being in the playoffs. So Adrian Peterson, he everybody compares the ACL injury now to Adrian Peterson. Like, can you beat that timetable, which nobody... I don't know if anyone else will, um, but it was an incredible comeback story, and now he's broke. Oh, Adrian Peterson's broke? Yeah, he's broke. Where did all his money go? Uh, he trusted the wrong people. That was a quote from ESPN. His, uh, what was it, I guess, how old is he? I don't know. He's One like 32. His, his, his 30th birthday party cost about $1.2 million. So. Right. Well, maybe you shouldn't beat your kid with a Swatch. and um, Switch. Switch. Switch? Swatch is a company that sells watches. Okay, I was close. I was like one letter off. And never going to sponsor the pod. Never. We will not be sponsored by Swatch. Swatch is not something you beat your kids with. It's called a switch. Fair? Correct. Move on. But don't beat your kids. Uh, my number three is Shane Falco. Uh, just an unbelievable lefty quarterback. He was living on his houseboat. And here comes Jimmy McGinty knocking on his door. He needed a quarterback for the Washington Sentinels. Uh, you know, Shane Falco, a.k.a. also known as Keanu Reeves, Threw a mean spiral. Uh, he did not have any elite offensive weapons outside of, of Cochran, who always got hurt. Cochran was like, I don't know, a, a, a modern-day Steven Jackson, if you will, a running back that's always hurt. Is that fair to say? Yeah, he blew out his knee, but he scored. Right, he scored that touchdown. But, uh, and he had a butterfinger wide receiver. Shane Falco took a bunch of replacement players. He led them to the playoffs. They beat Dallas. They beat Dallas, and they went for two, right? Or they, they yeah, just they went, went for two. They went for two. They went they for two, and they got it. They got to the playoffs. They threw the, the deaf tight end. Jimmy McGinty is anything but a conventional guy, and in that game, he said, go for it, beat Dallas. Get, Get to, to the, the playoffs. playoffs. All right, well, my number two is going to be our hard knocks. MVP, Richie Incognito. Richie Incognito started his career. He was with the Miami Dolphins for a bulk of his career. He was cut by the team because he was bullying people and leading them into a dark, dark place. So he would think, oh, Richie Incognito's out of football. No, Rex Ryan, bring him back. All right, Richie, come back. 
lead the Buffalo Bills into the rushing attack we all desire and that playoff drought. He dominated with the Bills. Like, he was a great player to watch. The Bills' offense read a lot like blast right, blast left. That's what they did. LaShawn McCoy had a monster fantasy season with Richie Incognito leading the way. And then he retires. And then he has a multitude of arrests. Yet, Richie Incognito is on the Oakland Raiders roster coming into this season, which is outstanding. He's a two-time comeback champion and a two-time winner in our hearts. No, he's not. He's a bad person, and we just really want to watch him on Hard Knocks this year. Could be three comebacks for this guy. He's electric. You got, the guy never dies. He just keeps coming back. That's a solid That's a solid number three or number two? Number two. That was your number two. Okay, my number two is Randy Moss. Um, 1998 to 2004 for the Vikings, he was... Probably the best receiver in football outside of, I guess, Jerry Rice, who was at the end of his career. He was, end of his he career. was dominant. Uh, 2005, he gets traded to the Oakland Raiders for linebacker Napoleon Harris and the Raiders' uh, seventh overall pick. Um, totally disappears for three years. So he was really not um, a legitimate weapon from 04 to 07. 07, the Patriots take a flyer on him. What does Randy Moss do? He has probably the best. Uh, Receiving year of any receiver in the Just history like to say, of football. Napoleon Harris is a senator in Illinois. Wow, but he did play football. He did. Yes, but now he is a senator. Good for him. Good for him. A linebacker. Yeah, that's the problem. Linebacker um, senator. Moss played for the Patriots from 07 to I guess uh, 2010, I 2010, and then he was traded to the Tennessee Titans, and his career ended. However, actually, he was traded to the Vikings again. Caught a right. touchdown pass and then was cut because he had an incident with some food. Right. Correct. 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 Goes to the Titans to round out his career, but 07 to 2010, where he was an elite receiver, made him one of the best comeback stories of all time. And my number one comeback story of all time will be our beloved, our 2019 Masters champion, Eldrick Tiger Woods. He shocked the world after allegations of hookers and being really bad husband and back injuries and weird creepiness and back injuries and Achilles injuries and knee injuries and dead and he couldn't walk and you know what he did he won the Masters and then he said I'm only going to play in major tournaments but he will be playing this week at the BMW which I'm excited for he's a 30 to 1 odd which is a great value bet if you think Tiger can get it done Tiger Woods is our comeback story because no one ever thought he would get number 15 especially Woody Page who went on that rant that he would suck that's a solid number one. I, uh, I respect the hell out of Tiger for his accomplishments in golf and not his accomplishments off the field. Why? He has two beautiful children. He cheated on his wife, Joe. Okay. and that, uh, All right. That happened. He's not, he's not a perfect man. Right. He's far from it. Okay. Uh, my number one was none other than the grocery bagger himself, Kurt Warner, undrafted in 98, wins a Super Bowl with St. Louis in 99. Um... After he plays for the Rams, he gets traded to the Giants. Career kind of fizzles out. All of a sudden, in 2005, he's picked up by the Cardinals. He goes to the Super Bowl in, I don't know, like 09 against the – 08. 08, he goes to the Super Bowl against the Steelers. Um, but in between his stint with the Rams and the Giants, I believe he was bagging groceries. He was bagging groceries, and then he became a kind of like a liaison quarterback for Eli and apparently was supposed to be Matt Leiner right, at the time. Right, 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 right. And then he just – Single, he just beat out Matt Leiner straight out, and the rest is his story. Also, just a fun guy to watch. Like also, a happy uh, guy. another guy we could blame Greg Williams for ruining his the end of his career, just like Brett Favre, because of the bounty gate. He literally killed Kurt Warner and put him into retirement. Fair. Also, that Super Bowl with the Cardinals and the one Steelers. One of the best ever. It was like good versus evil, and evil won. It was, yeah, no one wanted the Steelers. That Nobody Super wanted the fucking Steelers. I did. That I year. wanted the Steelers to win. I was a big Rashad Mendenhall fan that year. All right, to recap the top five comeback stories of all time, Joe's list was number one, Tiger Woods, number two, Richie Incognito, number three, Adrian Peterson, number four, Eric Berry, number five, the Cleveland Indians for Major League. My top five was number one, Kurt Warner, number two, Randy Moss, number three, Shane Falco, number four, Michael Vick, number five, Mr. 3000, Stan Ross. Um, So that does it for the top five. Uh, Thank you for listening. We have more preseason football coming up this week. And we have some guests coming up in the next weeks uh, for the podcast. Tune in next week to The Last Resort. I never